Hi, this is Gospel of Kennison, episode 133, brought to you the week of December 28, 2019. I'm your host. My name is James Kennison. Welcome to the GOK. Um, it's a little show I do where I just share things about, you know, things that are on my mind, things that are going on in life, uh, the ups and downs of being bipolar. I hope you enjoy it. And um, I hope I hope you'll interact. Send me a little note. Send me a little email. That would be great. Um, if it's your first show, then you should go back one episode and listen to the one I did on purpose because I feel like I need to address that episode before I move forward. And the way I'm going to do that is by jumping right in. Um, as you may or may not have known. Um, I, I was really concerned about purpose, and I was really kind of dark in that whole episode. I was very, uh, I don't know, I was just in a weird place. And until recently, I've always thought that me being worried about my purpose was part of me being up, okay? And when I say up, I mean the upside of bipolarism, bipolarism, you know, you, you go down and you have these dark, deep, depressive thoughts and feelings, and then you come up from them. And some people go manic. I don't go manic. I go just to normal and maybe just a tiny bit more than normal sometimes. And I've always associated, uh, my thoughts and feelings for needing purpose with the upside, with the normal me. And I'm, I'm, I'm now thinking, that though, that though that is the case, and that seems to be the case, here I am now in an in-between kind of phase where I'm not extremely thrilled with life, but I'm not, you know, just flat on my back depressed. I'm not worried about purpose. I feel like I have a purpose. I feel like I'm achieving things and doing things with my life that matter. I am a, I'm a father and a husband. I... I work at my church volunteering as a children's pastor and I I have um up to 8 kids you know in my little children's ministry and uh we we get to do great things for them and and you know teach them and and all this I I've come to realize that maybe my worries and my fretting about purpose is just that a bunch of worrying and fretting and uh, that that I that my worries and my frets are not a good thing, because when I start worrying about purpose, all it does is put me down and make me feel like that I'm I'm not achieving uh, anything good with my life, and that's just not the case. Uh, but in that moment, though, it feels very real. And it feels very important for me to acquire purpose and to have one. And all it is, is me comparing myself to the past. Um, when I feel like I used to do something big, when I was a children's pastor over a bunch of kids in a big church, um, back before the depression, 10 years ago, when it all started, um, you know, that that's what I'm comparing myself to. And that's not healthy. And that's not, that's not right. And that's not me thinking clearly and thinking well. Um, so it's, it's just kind of goes to show that d 
depression and bipolarism just sucks all the way around because you can't trust your thoughts when you're down because when you're down, you just don't want to be around. You don't want to, you know, exist. And when you're up, sometimes you're so worried about things being perfect and right on and everything that, uh, that maybe you can't trust those thoughts either. And maybe it's the in-betweens is, is all I can really count on. Cause right now, like I said, I, I feel okay. You know, um, now when I'm extremely depressed, I don't podcast. And, um, that has been the case over the last couple of months. I've, I've eked out w about one of these a month and I hate that. I, I want to be on time and on schedule and I want to be predictable and reliable. Um, but when you feel like you're in the midst of the dark, there's not really anything to talk about. And you feel like you've let people down. And, and so, you know, you, you don't feel like hitting the record button. Um, but yesterday I didn't feel that way today. I didn't feel that way. And so I'm, I'm staying true to my creed, which is when I can, I do so that when I can't, you know, that I, that I really want to, I just truly can't. Um, and I got some stuff to talk to you about. So if you were worried about me after last episode, um, especially, you know, the stuff I was talking about, about God and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> just, uh, just, just realize I was in a, I was in a weird place and hopefully through the balance of, of seeing several shows, you know, listening to several episodes, you'll, you'll see that that was maybe maybe an upswing that wasn't so great, you know? Um, uh, speaking of be reading the Bible and the God thing and all that is I, I still am reading. I have finished the Old Testament. Um, I kind of took a break when I hit uh, Jonah because there is a lot of dark stuff in the Minor Prophets. And it's a, it's a lot of terrible prophecies about the horrible things that are going to happen to God's people if they don't um, turn things around. And uh, I, I hit Jonah and it was like Sunday school. You know, it, I had good feelings and good thoughts and, and, and uh, I just savored it. I took a tiny break for a couple of days before I sat out and read the rest of Jonah. And, um, and then I turned out to find out I, I like Jonah the least of all of them because Jonah was a jerk. <laughs> Jonah was the only prophet that didn't do what God wanted him to do uh, right off the bat, you know? And he had, he had, a, he had no, uh, he had a big job to do, but he had nothing compared to some of the other prophets who had to speak to their own people and live and and thrive and try to have a life uh with the very people that they were dogging out all the time i, I jonah at least got to go uh to, to a place where he um you know didn't live <laughs> and go talk to foreign people and for some reason that's easier it's easier to talk to people you don't know than your neighbors even jesus said you know that a prophet has no uh oh i well he says respect i think or something um, in his own hometown. And it's true. You, you have to, uh, an old friend of mine told me you have to drive 50 miles and have a briefcase 
to be an expert at anything. And, uh, and I think he was right. Um, but I'm still reading the Bible. I'm, I'm in Matthew now and rereading that, even though I started with Matthew. And uh, I know I was talking about needing to get to the New Testament because I needed the Jesus side of things. But I'm telling you, um, you can still see the attitude and the uh, really the, the intentions of God, even through the narrative of Jesus Christ and the sayings of Jesus Christ. Uh, he, he definitely uh, narrows it down to where he's really upset with the hyper-religious and the people that don't um, that claim to be keeping the law, but are really just uh, haughty and 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 uh, proud, and are just you know putting everyone else down and not keeping the they are keeping the the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. Uh, but but you do see a lot of compassion, and that's what I was looking for. Jesus is moved with compassion. And um, I think that's probably what Jesus brought to the Godhead. Uh, because, I, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking out of turn. But God is all-knowing. Um, but he had not experienced what it was like to be on the earth, to be a person. And in, in his all-knowledge, he must have known. But I, I, I don't know. I'm just going to say it. It's my podcast and uh, it's my opinion right now. I, I may totally back off of this later on, but it's one thing to have a knowledge of something and a whole nother thing to experience it. You know, my daughter is reading up on getting her driver's license or her, her driver's permit. And she's going to read this book and she's going to, take this test and she's going to pass it. And only then will she begin to experience what it's like and be able to learn actually how to drive. And though she has the knowledge of the rules of the road, she hasn't had the experience yet. And I think what Jesus really brought to the table for the Godhead was that experience. And I think that's where we're seeing Jesus being moved with compassion on sinners. I do want to re rephrase and re-say something I said in the previous episode as well. Because I said God is, was angry and he doesn't like sinners and this, that, and the other. And I have to repent of that and, and say it a different way. Because all of those prophecies of what he was going to do, these dark, terrible things that he was going to do to these people, a majority of it was leveled at people he had a relationship with. People that had uh, had a connection to him, a, um, a, a promise made between the two of them that he would bless them and keep them, that, that covenant that he made with Abraham and his descendants. God is talking very angrily with them because he has, he has promised them so much. And they have, like I said, found the loophole where they can do whatever they want and then keep the sacrifices going. And uh, he doesn't like it. 
And I, I had some folks contact me after my last episode, and they asked, you know, how my image of God had changed and, you know, my my idea of his sovereignty and stuff like that. And, and I've got to say, it hasn't changed at all because I still see a God that loves people, that takes no pleasure in punishing anyone and that wants everyone to come to salvation. But I, I do see a God that is absolutely irate um, with people that won't, uh, that, that he has a connection with and a covenant with. And so I would have to level that same anger. If it still exists as a, you know, as God's up there, I would imagine that that anger isn't leveled at sinners. It's leveled at the religious who are still sinning because that matches because we now are part of the new covenant and we're connected and we're saved by grace. And we do have Jesus apparently at the throne interceding for us. Um, and we have coverage for our sins and things like that. But I think there's a certain amount of Christians that if you held their feet to the fire would have to admit and say that they are Christian by name and they are Christian by certain behaviors, but that their lives, they don't live them uh, to honor God. They, they live them to stay, they live it to stay out of hell and to go to heaven. Um, and, and some of them would say that they even feel better and superior to other people because they're in the right. And that's what I've seen, I think, in, in, in a lot of Christians, a lot of flaws, is it, it's not a, a religion anymore of compassion and loving sinners. It's become a religion of being right. And we're right about Christmas. And we're right about our convictions and we're right about uh things to do with um politics and we're right about family and we're right about everything we're right about gender we're right about homosexuality and we're so right uh about everything that i think it borderlines on self-righteousness and what I see when Jesus bumps into somebody who is astray, who is not right, who is clueless and aimless, is he's moved with compassion. I also saw in Matthew that he did get ticked off um, when he did all these miracles and not many people would become followers of his. And I see that in today's church is we want the benefits of Christ, but Christ talks about taking up our cross and following him. And though it's not explained explicitly what that means, um, I do have to imagine that it means that we are taking up the burden as well as the benefits of who Christ is. And I'm not even sure I'm there, but I'll tell you, reading through like I have, it, it is, uh, with, with all of the Old Testament stacked in my brain, 
Um, I don't see a huge difference between the God of the Old Testament and the Jesus of the New Testament, except for uh, him being moved with compassion for people and wanting to heal and give every opportunity to every single person uh, to come to him. And the only people that he seems to get angry with or upset with are those that are closest to him, like his disciples. How long will I have to bear with you? You have little faith. You know, he gets a little irritated. He gets irritated with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You will not see a sign from heaven. You'll only sign you'll see is the sign of Jonah. When I die and, and come back after three days, he speaks in parables so that he will confound people. And then he explains it in private to those that are closest to him. Um, he gets frustrated because of the lack of help. Um, just like most Christian leaders find that it's very hard to do stuff, not because of a lack of resources, uh, but because of a lack of people to help. Uh, and he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. And I'm like, oh my goodness, if Jesus had pr- trouble getting volunteers, what hope do we ever have? <laughs> but I didn't mean to get bogged down in this, but I just kind of wanted to bring some balance to the darker things that I said last t- last week or last month, rather. Um, and just say, I do believe that God loves us very, very much. And I still do believe that we are being saved from God. Um, uh, that's, that is a very big truth. But the God that wants us to serve him also empowers us to do it through his Holy Spirit. And that's what's amazing to me. I just got through preaching uh, last night to, to a bunch of kids about um, Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, I think, where Jesus calls his first two or two sets of disciples. Um, uh Paul or Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John, you know, calling them fishermen and calling them to be fishers of men. And these men left their nets and their families and they came and they followed him. And I asked the question, did they follow him like follow the leader? Did they follow him like, hey, come do uh, you know, come come watch what I'm doing and just kind of follow me around like at Disney World kind of thing where you're just gonna follow me around. No, we, we all decided that to follow Jesus, he didn't mean just, just traipse around behind me. He meant, you know, be prepared to change your entire life and come and see how I treat people and what I do for folks and the responses that I have to different situations and eventually uh, watch how I, I forgive sins and how I raise people and, and heal people. And then Ultimately, how I give my life on the cross. Um, and so when I see the cross being picked up, when I, when I imagine that idea, I have to imagine that that's what those disciples did. They picked up their cross and they followed Jesus. And I, I don't know. I just know that there is a certain type of Christian out there that I don't get along with. And I don't go seeking them out. I don't go to find them, um, to, to fight with them or argue with them. Um, but they pop up once in a while. One type 
is the type that seems to have no problems. Um, they seem to be hyper spiritual. They seem to be very happy with everything to do with God and with church. They seem to oftentimes move as they call it in the spirit and do things that are kind of weird or, or, uh, things that would make you uncomfortable. (laughs) Uh, like, I mean, I'll just say it. Things like, I don't know, prophesying over you or singing and making up songs and singing them to you. Those kind of people I don't, I don't trust because I don't see a struggle. And I've, I've always struggled with God. And I don't think my way is better necessarily. I just think it's more real. Um, because I know that two friends that have never argued are not that close of friends. The friendship that you have is closer and tighter uh, when you've had those uh, run-ins with each other. A marriage, a good marriage with no fighting, I don't trust that. And I know, you know, in a relationship between me and God, the problem's going to be on my end. I know that. But I've had those problems. I've had those struggles. And taking up a cross and dragging it along and doing the right things, making good decisions, it often isn't very fun. It's not easy. And so I don't trust folks that don't what I call walk with a limp. You, I, that comes from Jacob of Jacob and Esau and the night that he wrestled with the angel of the face of God and he, he struggled with him all night. And eventually the angel, you know, which I believe was the pre-incarnate Christ, uh, hits him on the, on the thigh, I think, or the leg or somewhere. And my rememberer is broken. But, um, I imagine after that he walked with a limp at least for a while. And I trust that because that's someone that struggled with God and didn't win, but came out of it a different person and learned a lesson. And I'm definitely one that walks with a limp and I'm not proud of it. I just trust it because I've, I've I've struggled with God and God is one every time. The other kind of person I don't trust are people that are very Christian and they're so Christian that they are a butt about it. And they seem very prideful and they seem very hung on being right about everything. I have uh, family members that are like this. I have people that uh, I interact with that are like this and they trouble me because they're so sure about everything and I don't ever want to be in that place even C.S. Lewis at the end of his or no no not C.S. Lewis um, Billy Graham on his deathbed they asked him if he really believed in all of these things and he said uh you know, do do you believe in heaven and all this kind of stuff and that it's going to be there? And he goes, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. So if Billy Graham could have his 
human doubts and struggle with the reality that he was pitching to people for years and years. I, I don't, I don't get someone that feels like they know it all and they have it all figured out. They've planted their flag on their own knowledge and they've stopped and they've said, this is what is real. This is what is good. The Bible I read says that we are constantly supposed to be, uh, on the, on the heater, on the burner, refining the refining fire and, 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 that our faith is supposed to be tested constantly. And I'm not saying I'm good at it, but I will say this, that I know enough to know that I don't know very much and that I have to trust God and I have to just, I have to keep reading and I have to keep trying to understand. And that's why I don't argue with people about religious stuff. You know, folks that believe certain things that I don't believe, um, that's fine. You go ahead and you believe that. But there just seems to be such a cocky attitude that's associated with it that they can mock others that don't believe the way they believe. And I don't, I don't like that either. So I guess it's just the two extremes. It's those that are so simple and simplistic and, and they they seem so happy and content. Um, I don't trust it because it doesn't seem real. It seems surface and, and one dimensional. And then on the other end, I don't, I don't really get along with folks that are so deep that, that, that it, their belief has become almost dark and angry. Um, somewhere in the middle Somewhere in the middle, I don't know, is where I'm at, I guess. Where I, I do believe in a, in a God of, that, that doesn't like sin, that hates sin, but, but that loves sinners and wants all of them to come to Christ. He, 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 he quoted and said all those horrible things and he promised all these terrible things, but in the midst of it, he also was dropping hints about a Messiah. It was going to come. It was going to fix everything. I couldn't help but when I was watching uh, Rise of Skywalker, oh, I can't talk about it without spoiling it. Well, I'll just say this, that in the original trilogy, I, I was amazed at how quickly someone could be changed from the dark side to the light side that all Vader had to do was one act and he would be completely restored. And, and how in the prequels, all that Anakin had to do from, to go from the light side to the dark side was just one or two tiny, you know, just small but huge uh, things to switch over. Just one mistake. And the Bible even reinforces that concept that says that you know, he, and I can't even remember where it is because it all blends together, but God talked about how, how easily someone could turn from unrighteousness to righteousness and how quickly they could turn from righteousness to unrighteousness. And I just know that there's a God that's eager 
to see people change from unrighteousness into righteousness. And, and I know that the love that Jesus gives and shows is the love that we're supposed to share and show. And, you know, we, we've got it in our heads somehow that we've got to, we can't approve of, of people's actions. Like it's our job to not approve. And I am not saying there's nothing wrong in the world. There are things that are wrong. There are, there is sin. Sin is sin, but it's all sin. And I'm a sinner. I'm a person that doesn't, isn't perfect. And even with Christ, I still make mistakes. And it's only through his grace that I'm capable of maintaining any kind of relationship with God. There is such a small difference, just that small step between the dark side and the light side in my life that I can't stand in judgment over any other person. All my job is supposed to be is to present the gospel to people that I'm allowed to and capable of sharing it with. You know, I'm not going to be able to hit every person I pass in the mall. But through my lifestyle and, and occasionally through the words that I'm able to speak and share, and even, yes, through a podcast here and there, if I'm able to share the truth, I do it. And it's God's job to save people. See, nobody's going to die and go to hell because they're gay. Nobody's going to die and go to hell because they're confused about their gender. Nobody's going to die and go to hell because they're fat and gluttonous. People die and go to hell because they don't know Jesus Christ. They haven't been saved. So all our sin in many ways is equal. Because all it takes is one small step to go the wrong way. And I do it too. I find myself judging people harsher, more harshly than I should. That they are evil. They're unsavable. They're, they're, they don't want God's grace. And the Bible's even clear that people love their sin. They don't like the light. They don't want to have their deeds exposed. But I've, the more I know people and the more I get to know people and talk to people, the more folks I meet inside, deep inside, they do have something in there, a spirit, a, a part, a, a conviction that they want something more. Because when they're shown the light, they, they do react to it in a way that nothing else, I've never seen anybody react to it before. Um, anyway, I'm going to back off, get off my soapbox. It's just, I don't know, I get, I get rolling, and there you go. 
What's my point? My point is that uh, that there there is this um, harsh reality that people need Jesus, um, and there's another harsh reality that there are people with Jesus that still don't have Him. They they haven't picked up that cross, that cross of compassion. And that cross of struggle. So. There you go. (laughs) Let me tell you. um, Some things going on in my life. I've quit PHP. Um, Some of you guys don't even know what that is. But it's a programming language. And I I quit trying to learn it. I, I took a class. And it was going well. I hit a I hit a brick wall a while back. This has been a couple months ago, but I don't think I've talked about it. I hit a brick wall where I just couldn't learn it. I couldn't continue learning. It wasn't sinking in. I wasn't getting it. And maybe it was because it was an online class. I don't know. Maybe I just got overwhelmed. Maybe I'm just not smart enough. Um, I tend to think it's because I'm just not smart enough. And I think it takes a certain type of person to be able to get it. Um, I think I could have gotten a little more of it if it had been a hands-on in in real life kind of class. Because I could have been asking a lot of questions and getting a lot of answers and finding out, you know, what what to do. Um, But ultimately, PHP was something that was unattainable for me. And I hate quitting. I really do. But I did also quit my keto diet (laughs) so um it had been uh, at least three months where i was doing the diet and and it wasn't working there was no weight being lost and i was doing without a lot of foods and going and struggling and i and i wasn't seeing any benefits and so i quit um and after about three or four weeks uh, I saw my weight start, start, just start to creep back up. And so I have now joined Weight Watchers, the mobile version. I'm doing it all online. I'm not going to meetings or anything like that. Um, and I have been doing that now for two weeks. And I have seen the scale start to go down the other way. I've lost about five and a half pounds so far. And, um, so the scale's moving in the right direction. Will I ever make it to my goal of 200 or 185 or 190 or whatever? I, I don't know, but that, that's my goal. That's what I want to do. So I, I want to be thin. What really got me, uh, was during keto, I was able to wear my wedding ring and be able to take it off without a, a bunch of, bunch of, uh, problems. And, uh, when I got off keto, my fingers got fat again. And I was like, oh man, that's, that's like the worst part of your body to get fat is if you got fat fingers, come on, help, help me Lord. You know, I want to, I can handle my face being too big and my belly being too big. Uh, but my fingers, come on. And so I ought to be able to be able to wear my wedding ring. And so, uh, I jumped on Weight Watchers and I can now push on and slide off my wedding ring after only five and a half pounds. And, um, 
So, so we're moving in the right direction. I do want to share something kind of scary with you. Uh, I don't know if any of you have ever had any experiences with sleep paralysis, but I recently have. I, I had a medication that I was taking that was supposed to help me sleep. And uh, I don't know, I, I quit taking it and the sleep paralysis left. But just let me describe to you what I told my wife and she went and looked it up and told me what it was. I thought I was having night terrors or something, but I'd be laying in bed and I would suddenly feel at, I would feel my body falling asleep, but my mind would not. And I was still aware, but it was suddenly I would be overwhelmed with a physical sense of fear and extreme dread to the point that I felt like chill bumps were, were taken over my entire body and I was even being lifted out of the bed by something. This is all feelings, I'm saying. Um, and I would try to move and I couldn't move. I wanted to wake my body up and I couldn't. I could open my eyes a little bit and I found that I could move my head a tiny bit and that I sometimes could make noises and I would wake myself up mumbling because I couldn't form words or anything like that. But it felt outright demonic. It felt like demons. It felt like ghosts or spirits or something scary like in that genre that were on me. Uh, one night I was laying on my back and, and I felt myself go to sleep. And as soon as I did, I physically felt wind blowing in my face and these voices in my ears saying, you're a loser, you're a loser. And I woke myself up immediately. And that was a lucky one. I don't think I could have handled that one very often or, or for, for much longer. But I, I had these experiences over the course of three or four nights and I told my wife about it. And she went and looked it up and she said, yeah, this is not night terrors. It's sleep paralysis. And she talked about it, that it's been a thing for people for a long time. And that folks have experienced seeing things and hearing voices and, and having feeling like demons are on them and stuff. And it exactly, uh, it exactly described what I was feeling and, um, and it kind of made me realize, you know, okay, we got to try to get off this medicine. <laughs> we got to see if we can change anything. Well, yeah, the medicine worked. Uh, I had a little bit of a relapse, uh, or, or some, some leftovers, I guess I would call it on the first night that I didn't take it, but on the second night. And since then I haven't had any issues at all. Um, so it was the medication which is weird because it's supposed to help me sleep and it, and it did uh, just the wrong kind of sleep, but man, have, have any of you guys out there ever dealt with anything like this? And, and to the point where you're terrified, but can't move in your own body and you're trapped there and you can't wake yourself up. I, I would, uh, I would, I would be calling my wife's name and imagining that she was sitting up next to me and the whole time she was asleep and I was just seeing her there um, it makes me sound like a crazy person, but it was all my imagination and it was all dreams. But I'll tell you the, the worst part of it was when my wife read the Wikipedia article on it 
And she told me that people would see things crawling in the windows and coming in the doors, these dark images and things hovering over them and voices and stuff like that. It's And I never get scared. I watch scary movies. I walk around in the house in the dark. I never get scared. But man, the night after she told me that, I was terrified. Not because I believe that spirits walk around or anything like that, but because I believed with all my heart that I was about to see this stuff, you know, that I was going to experience something very much like that. It was very much a reality that I could see and hear and experience. And I'm telling you, what's the difference between real and not real uh, when it comes to things that your mind is telling you, if your mind tells you it's real, it's like in the matrix, it's real. And uh, so I wasn't scared of being attacked or, or having a legitimate uh, in- encounter with some sort of spirit. I was scared of my brain tricking me and making me feel like I was. And um, so going to bed suddenly, not only was sleeping a struggle, it's always been a struggle for me to fall asleep, but now it was a, a an exercise in terror. And so I'm so glad that I'm past that. It was only a few nights, but I pity, oh man, I pity anyone that deals with something like this on a regular basis. And I hope, uh, I hope you can, uh, you know, find a way around it because I found that if I was like overheated, that it, that it was more vivid. Um, and so, you know, if I did things like take my socks off or remove a level of cover, um, that, that I would be able to fall asleep without any experiences, but, uh, yeah, it was rough. And I'll, I'll tell you that the medication I was taking was Lunesta and it's advertised on TV, or at least it used to be as a sleep aid. Uh, to help take your mind and and help it to rest. And man, uh, I don't know, it was doing its job. I'd, I'd been taking it for a couple of months, but then it just suddenly turned on me. And uh, oh, oh, so glad that that's over. Um, so yeah, I, I quit uh, PHP, I quit the keto diet, and I quit s- sleep paralysis all, all in the last month or so. Um, as far as family goes, everybody's doing pretty good. We had a great Christmas, and I hope you did too. Um, my wife and I really didn't do presents for each other, even though I ended up with a chair, which is very nice. Those of you that listen to the podcast know that I've been wanting a chair because I bought one from Ikea a few years ago, and it's like sitting on the cardboard box that comes with the chair. And uh, I ended up with a Sealy, uh, and, and it feels like a recliner. And it's so nice, and I am so grateful to my family for helping me out, and then for my patrons who helped uh, pay the, half of the uh, the money for the chair. So I think this is going to last me a long time, and uh, and it's going to be a very comfortable thing. It's like sitting in an angel's lap, and that's the truth. <laughs> I don't know what it really feels like, but that's the way it feels for me. My daughter's doing well in um, basketball. Uh, She's not able to podcast with me because of her schedule, but she's doing really well in basketball. She moved. um, She was really frustrated with varsity or uh, junior varsity because they weren't winning any games. And and, um, she just didn't feel like the team was coming together as a team. And um, she was putting up more points than anybody else. And then, 
uh, on one of the games, she made 18 points and they still lost the game, but the coach after it was over came to her and threw her a Jersey and it was a varsity Jersey and he put her on varsity. And so she's thrilled. She's playing junior varsity still, but also playing in the varsity games and getting a good bit of play time and um, is really getting, I'm just very proud of her. I was never a sports person and I don't like sports. And if she wasn't in the game, I would never go to see it. (laughs) So it's one of those things where I'm glad to be there for her, but I'm also glad when it's over kind of thing. But I'm I'm still very proud of her for being able to move into varsity because she did it uh, by not giving up, you know, she, she had wanted and felt the urge to quit and to walk away from it. Um, and, and we urged her and she urged herself not to, and she stuck it, stuck in there and stuck with it. And I think, um, I think it, it was just so great when the benefits, uh, paid off, you know, of, of not quitting, of not walking away because there were girls on the team that did do that. And, uh, you know, when, when you do that, you close certain doors and, and, uh, those doors weren't closed to her. And so I'm very proud of her. She reminds her of her mom a lot because Jen is, um, she's very smart. All right. And you're going to have to listen to this. Uh, my wife is very, very, very smart, but she's not the smartest person in the world. Okay. Um, and she's heard me say these very words. So she, it's not like you can email her and say, James talking bad about you. What she is, is the most determined person in the world. And she puts the most effort out of anybody I've ever seen. And she has passed that on to my daughter. And that's what I love seeing is uh, two women who are put in situations constantly where anybody else would be tempted to underachieve and to just go with the flow and they just can't help it. They put themselves 150% out there and they go uh, with all of the effort and energy that, that they can muster plus some. And I've seen life bend around them and conform into something that's better as an experience for them. Meaning my wife, like I said, used to go and work at these banks back in her early days. She'd go to these small banks with these old men and she looked really young and she was, but she looked younger than she was. And they would kind of turn their nose up at her like, Oh, who did they send us this year? But by the end of it, the work that she had put out and the effort that she had put in had paid off so much that these guys loved her and they would send her home with baskets of, of vegetables and corn and, and stuff from their small town, uh, you know, farms and things like that, little gifts and things. And they would be her favorite, uh, or she would be their favorite person uh, from then on because of the work that she did. Her world conformed and shaped around her. And, it, and I got to see that with Jenna uh, recently. And um, it's an inspiration to, 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 for me, because me and my, my son are not so much like that. <laughs> we, we like things to work out right the first time. And uh, a lot of times it does. And so we're okay. But when it doesn't, you know, I don't know. It's easy to want to quit. I don't know. I quit PHP. Uh, I feel like it was a good decision, but my wife would have not quit at all ever. And she would have driven herself crazy 
uh, learning it and she would have found a way to overcome it. But I, I'm just not that way. I'm not. And I, I desire to be, I would love to be that way, but different people have different strengths and mine, uh, mine rests elsewhere. We'll just say it that way. Um, so Christmas was good. Like I said, we got a chair and, and I got my wife some headphones for running. My kids got, um, various things. It's weird shopping for kids that are older because all they want is money or gift cards. And my wife still wants them to be kids a little bit so that they'll have stuff to open, you know? And, um, so it, it was, it, it was interesting, uh, shopping this year, but we pulled it off and it was a success. As I said, it was a good Christmas because Jay's at that age, he's sixth grader, doesn't believe in Santa anymore. You know, the magic is kind of gone from the season, but he's still very excited about it. And, and that's good. Um, my daughter still, you know, uh, gets excited about it and that's good too i guess it's just one of those things you want to last as long as possible because when 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 you're an adult christmas is different it is a stress and a struggle and a strain sometimes and um but but it can be a different kind of magical it's the kind of magical where there are no secrets but you're you you get to keep the secrets on your end you know like what what other what your kids are getting you know, you know what it all is and you know how it all works, but they don't, you know? So I don't know. It was, it was a good Christmas and I hope yours was too. Uh, what we did uh, for Christmas for the kids in our children's church was pretty cool. My wife's idea. Uh, there's only eight to nine of them. And uh, we, we did something that we were never able to do when we had 350 kids and that is we got stockings and we put their name at the top of each one in glitter paint and we filled it up with all of their favorite things. We had a couple weeks before had asked them to fill out a form with their favorite color and their favorite toys and their favorite, you know, foods and things like that. And so the stockings had a can of Sprite in it. It had hot Cheetos. It had, uh, packages of gum and candy in um, that we kind of modified some of them for the age of the kids. Uh, so we put uh, matchbox cars in some of the boys that were younger and, and Play-Doh and all of the younger kids' ones. And we had these, uh, they weren't Hatchimals, but some sort of uh, capsule that had a, a random doll inside for the little girls and for the older uh, kids, they got, um, special things as well. I don't recall all of it, but we put those together and, and handed them out and it was just magical. It was absolutely awesome. Um, kids were jumping up. Well, they didn't know how to respond at first. They just see these stockings. Cause I told them to close their eyes. And as my wife and son would hand them out, I'd say, okay, you can open your eyes and you can open your eyes. And, and they would look down and they didn't know what to do. And I said, well, get it, go ahead, get into them. And, and these are kids that I'm pretty sure didn't have very much for Christmas, if anything. And, uh, at least some of them. And, um, they, they opened them up and some of them, everything they pulled out, they would just, oh, 
and they would jump up from their chairs and run over and hug me and hug Jen and then run back and find the next thing and oh my gosh you know or 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 that thing where they take it out of the stocking and shake it up in the air like oh my gosh I can't believe I got this you know and it was nothing it was you know it was nothing but to them it was everything and and I loved doing that it was a great it was a great time um so anyway uh, I don't know what the new year brings me and me and the pastor are meeting actually tomorrow at noon and he's wanting to do uh, something different uh, with the direction that the church is going. And uh, that po- probably means doing a, a, a bigger version of what we're doing with the kids and trying to get more kids to come. Um, so it will change from being a, uh, a VBS kind of Sunday school sit down kind of class and more of a big church service for kids kind of thing, which is what I'm actually used to doing anyway. It's just children's church for those that may not know uh, where you do kids music and you do kids illustrations and you do uh, characters or puppets or uh, you know, you do object lessons and, and, and all this. Um, you know, that's, that's what I used to do for years and years and years. So it's what I'm comfortable with and I'm, and I'm excited, but I'm going to miss and treasure I treasure and, and we'll miss, uh, the small beginnings that we had over the last few months. Um, it's been good. And it was glad, I was glad to be able to do the stocking thing. Who knows what next year will look like. We may have a hundred kids. We may have 10 kids. If we have 10 kids, we'll, we'll do something. Um, but anyway, it was it was great. It was great. Uh, as far as podcasting goes, um, John has been off uh, for the for the last couple of uh, Thursdays in December. So we, me and my wife, did a podcast together last week, and then um, uh, or the week before last, and then last week we didn't do one because of the holidays. Uh, and we'll be back on schedule with John and myself uh, coming up this week on Thursday. Uh, but, but my wife and I sitting down and recording together was a lot of fun and she really enjoyed it. And she said, you know, the, uh, the podcast that we were doing, we're both right. Um, maybe the advice part of it was just a little bit too much of a stressor for her. Uh, so she came up with a a different idea and we're kind of bouncing it around about, uh, reading a specific type of news article or news stories and responding to those, um, this would be in along the vein of of things like spoiled people, um, uh, bridezillas, and things like that. And we would uh, so it'd be kind of like weird news, but very specific kinds of weird news. And it would mostly have to do with marriage and family, and uh, in laws and relatives and things like that. Uh, and, and then just responding and sharing our insight and input on, on those kinds of behaviors, I I guess just bad behavior would be what it would be focusing on. And, uh, so we're both right would still work as a title. And so she's excited about it and she's looking up, uh, content and we're kind of putting some shows together. So I'm looking forward to sitting down with her and recording very soon. So be, be looking out for, uh for that feed to become active again, uh, pretty soon, just with a slightly different focus. Um, 
I want to talk about a movie I saw recently. It's called Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. I haven't been in the movies in a while, but it was really good, and I won't spoil it, but I liked it a lot, and a lot of people want to hate on Star Wars. I don't care. I love Star Wars. I like the way the thing sewed everything up nice and tight, and it was a full and complete story, and it even, in my mind, redeemed some of the prequels, and... um it, it was good. Uh, Mandalorian is a great show. If you haven't seen it on Disney Plus, I highly suggest you get it and check it out. I just watched the season finale, and uh, it's a show I enjoy very much. My wife loves it, and we sit and watch it together. And uh, I hope they put out some new stuff pretty soon. Netflix has put out a second season of uh, Lost in Space, which was a great show. Matter of fact, I would say there are only two really great shows possibly three that Netflix has ever put out. One of them is Stranger Things. Another one is The Crown. My wife says that's a good show. And uh, I would say Lost in Space was an absolutely amazing, epic uh, show as far as uh, stress and, uh, not not stress, what do you call it? Uh, suspense and stuff like that. It was just, oh, oh, so well done. And and no corners cut in in the production value and all that, and I'm so grateful and glad to hear that they put a second season out of that because it, it hasn't gotten enough love. I'd, I have never heard anybody talking about Lost in Space on Netflix, and it is is truly a great show. Um, so if you if you like shows like The Mandalorian and, and Stranger Things, you'll love uh, uh, Lost in Space. It's just very well done. Family, uh, family it's a sh- you know show about a family and their struggles and um but they're stuck on this planet you know and uh, it's it's really good um um as far as made my days i just have to refer to my chair again i love my chair it's nice and soft and comfortable and i could sit here for hours <laughs> not getting any exercise it'll be great and um i think that'll wrap it up for this episode of the gok i hope you enjoyed it and uh, I hope if you have any comments or input that you will email me, james at nlcast.com. I'd like to thank Zane Estrada, Carrie Wright, and Carrie Bernhardt for their support on Patreon. Patreon. If you would like to also contribute, uh, you can do as much as you want or as little as you want over at patreon.com slash GOK. And we'll see you next time right here on the Gospel of Kennison. God bless. <laughs>